1: Hey, what's up, guys? Christopher Stollery here. Welcome to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I'm here today. Uh, this one, this one's a pretty special one. This, this, this man allowed me to feel a little special. He's a director uh, and a writer, and uh, I mean a lot more to him. Um, I haven't fully read his IMDb, but. We'll learn about him today. Uh, who just surprised me with allowing me to see one of his films before release. So it was really, really awesome to uh get that experience. I want to thank you very much for that. Mr. Colin Bressler, director of the new film uh Remy's Demons. Colin, yes, I- sir.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, it was um it's always uh, special to be able to share, you know, the films with people, especially before release, you know, just to kind of get their feel for it and get kind of a sense for how things are being, you know, how audiences are seeing the movie. I, I, I've never met you before today, so it's kind of cool because like I, I can kind of get a sense for for what you felt and, and you didn't know anything about the movie going into it. So it's a really valuable uh, resource for someone like me and filmmakers or artists, you know
1: well I, I i'm i'm not going to uh play uh play uh, uh uh what's the term i'm looking for here critic film critic in this one but i will say that from my personal standpoint it was a very cerebral uh, psychological thriller slash horror. At least that, that was the way I took it. It, it um, especially with with the way you delve into in particular characters in the film. Again, no spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it. You guys have to go see it for yourself uh, when it releases. But uh, from what I saw, that that was my take from it. It was it was very it was it was very much a thinking uh, horror movie. It wasn't just your your typical like hack and slash. I'd put it more in the veins of something like the original Hellraiser oh wow in in the fact of like there was a lot more implied than there was on screen if that makes sense
0: yeah i mean i'll take the hellraiser uh thing all day to be honest that that's a high praise um i'm very yeah that's that's pretty awesome i mean yeah we you know we 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 set out to to really make a a story that kind of stayed with people you know and and characters that felt full and 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 real and three dimensional and um yeah i mean we definitely took a lot of time to kind of think about like the world we were trying to create and everything so i uh, that's amazing thank you wow
1: no problem that that that's that's the end of my review uh on on, <laughs> on to about you <laughs> um <laughs> Well the big thing here is um I'm looking at your IMDB and and what strikes me as uh first is that you do seem to do a lot of horror. Is that the genre you're you're most comfortable in?
0: Yeah, I mean to some degree. Um I you know I, I stumbled upon horror in a kind of indirect way. So I don't want to present myself as some, you know, as someone who uh like loved horror from an early age and just, you know, I'm I know everything about everything and I'm one of those kind, of, you know. Um, I'm not I wish I was um, I'd probably make better films but I you know I uh, I, I went to film school and I kind of like got a general education in all of it and I didn't stumble on fit on horror until I read an article about video on demand in, in the mid 2000s around 2004 2005 just about kind of the jo- you know the video on demand blowing up eventually back then it wasn't as big a thing yet, right there wasn't Amazon Prime or Netflix yet right and um well, Netflix gave you dVDs they sent you dVDs, but they didn't have a streaming site yet and um it just it, it, it said it said you know low budget comedies, kind of a la I don't know if you remember the movie super Troopers, yeah you know, kind of like that, movies like that, or horror movies, and I'm just not talented enough, I guess something i don't know i i, I horror uh, I'm sorry comedies intimidate the crap out of me to try to make people laugh through cinema is, is an art unto itself so I liked as I, I I was raised in this in the film world as a cameraman a cinematographer so I like that horror gave you a lot of lighting a lot of options and lighting and lighting is such a integral part I mean think about when we were kids and the shadows in your room and you know, it all goes back to that, right? It's all back to like shadows and darkness. And as someone who came about cinema through through the camera department, there's nothing better than that, you know? So I was always attracted to it. I was like, you know, hey, uh, this is a genre where you turn lights off, not on. Comedy, you turn every, you got to have all the lights on, you know, for comedy. Uh, horror, it's like, you, the more lights you have on, you, you're in trouble, you know? So, so that, that, that really drew me to it in, in the initial stages.
1: Okay. Um, what, well, you say, you say you went to film school and it was during your, your, your journey in film school that you had discovered horror, uh, and it, and it meshed well with your, your upbringing with, with cinematography. Um, what was your initial field for then, uh, were you looking to, for sake of argument, dramas or, or like documentaries, uh, like what, what was, what was the initial goal at, at, at going to film school?
0: Okay so I went to film school uh in the early like mid 90s and when I when I went I I I thought I wanted to be a director I always wrote scripts I always wrote I directed a couple of like incredibly hacky insane films when I was in middle school through high school and um I got to film school and I I didn't even know what a cinematographer was to be honest and the first month or two of class that my teacher Roy Frumpkes was his name he made a movie called Street Trash which is you I recommend to anyone it's one of the it's a masterpiece of B Cinema Street Trash anyway side note um he was my instructor and uh he he told me we introduced me to the camera and and to cinematography and I fell in love with it deeply in love with it and from that point on I I stopped I mean I wrote I always wrote scripts because that's just a passion of mine but I didn't see myself making films again as a director. I started shooting other people's movies and I did that for, I still do that today. That's my job. I'm actually a cameraman. But um, uh, about 10 years ago, I kind of realized, I was like, you know what? I, I, I think I want to try to make some movies on my own. And I set out. So my first two movies were actually short films and they weren't horror. They One was kind of a black comedy, dark comedy, and the other was a uh, kind of a drama thing, you know, urban drama set in New York City so yeah I mean it wasn't until like I said I read that article and I kind of came out and I was like I was like I'd love to try and my first endeavor in horror was a movie called Sleepover which was one of those like point of view camera movies you know like Blair Witch style right that was my first attempt so yeah I mean I fell in love with it it's it's horror is an amazing genre
1: Well, one thing that horror does uh, lend itself to, and and you've mentioned it a couple times here, uh, is that uh, it it lends itself very well to B-Rate. Like, of course, there's the high ends like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, but I mean, uh, you could have just as much success in the lower budget uh, films, and I'm looking at you know, Killer Clowns from Outer Space or, or The Evil Deads are a perfect example of a, uh, a horror classic or cult classic that came from a lower budget film. Is that something that also appealed to it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. In, in that video on demand article, I keep referencing from I don't even remember. What, it was a filmmaker magazine. They actually when they were talking about the video on demand, they talked about Nightmare. I mean, sorry, um, uh, Night of the Living Dead, the George Romero movie. And that was one of their examples because George Romero, and I'm probably there's going to be people that know this and they're going to tell me I'm wrong, which is probably true. But I believe what they talked about was he self distributed at first. He put it in the theaters across, and it just blew up. And people were like, "What the hell is this? Like zombies, and what is going on?" So it was they talked about that kind of being the 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 in a lot of ways that's sort of the core of the horror genre is right. that idea of like grab a camera, grab a couple people, put a, a mask on a guy and freak people out, you know? Go to the woods, go to some creepy cabin, do it in a creepy house in the suburbs, you know, whatever. And that, I was like, I was like man, I mean, that's just such a, yeah, I mean, I, I work in no budget filmmaking. And right. so I know that, like, I, I've said this before, but I know that, like, for instance, when somebody turns a movie on about, I don't know, a guy dying of terminal cancer, right? And it's a drama about a family. They, they, there's an expectation to see Tom Tom Hanks in that movie because it's going to be about acting. It's going to be about that performances. And I want to, I want to really dive into that character, right? In the, in this genre, it's more about the story and the ambiance and the experience around it. Right. Not to say that acting and the the character acting is just as important, but, but we have to set a world where, where you're going to enter into it and be creeped out or like, brought to a mental place where you're kind of like you know freaked out or whatever and so yeah i mean in that regard no, it lends itself for for that for low budget filmmaking for that you know because you can't do that with tom hanks in your in your movie you know
1: but that was something i was going to say and i'm going to i'm going to reference uh one of the all-time all-time great independent directors uh george lucas uh, when he was first filming Star Wars, he wanted a, a group of unknowns so that way people would pay more attention to the story and less attention to the fact that a, a movie star was in his film. Uh, is that something that appeals to you? It's like you, you, uh, the, the story gets served, obviously, from decent actors and, and, and excellent actors, but unknown names. Uh, in a sense, you're kind of discovering them, but at the same time, their, their stardom is not overshadowing the story you're trying to tell. Like you said, you could you couldn't do like like Remy's uh, demons with with Tom Hanks playing Remy. Although I'm sure yeah. he could play the role, everybody would say, "Oh, hey, that's Tom Hanks," instead of "Hey, that's Remy."
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that like I I, I you know I I, fastened, I I fantasize about making making the the cut and being you know given a lot more money and 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 prestige. And, and there are times I do, I do think there's a value. I, I don't have that conversation because I'm not even close to the level at which I could get a B-level actor, let alone an R-level actor, you know, like a Z-level actor. But, um, and, and that, by the way, I, that might've sounded very insulting to the actors that worked on my film. I didn't mean it that way. I meant like, what I mean is like, you know, I, I don't set out my films and I don't go, and some people do, by the way, I don't go out and say, I want to try to find money that, that I can try to get a known actor, someone who's been in five or six movies that have that have been hits or whatever. Right. Um, I'm not even there, right? So I'm starting out, and I I just look for I do a- auditioning and casting, and really I, I want some I want people that are passionate and and want to dive into it, um, you know, and join me on a on a no budget ride through through making a crazy movie, you know, and so. But but to to your point, I mean. I think I'm, I'm with George Lucas on that in that if I were to set out to do a movie that, you know, a certain type of movie and a certain type of characters, there's a lot to be said for, for having people that you or I wouldn't know, you know, because then I can kind of just fall into that character and I'm not, and I'm not watching Brad Pitt or Leo DiCaprio play that role, even though they're geniuses and they're brilliant. I, I kind of, I, it's easier in a way to dive in. Like, um, you know, the Godfather, you know, Al Pacino wasn't famous yet. Right and, and, you know, that character's like like forever known for him. But we don't know that. But our parents and people that saw the movie for the first time, they didn't know who he was. They just, it was Michael Corleone, you know?
1: Well, that, that, that's exactly it. I think that's what Lucas was trying to point out, was the fact that you, uh, the, the, the moviegoer, the audience, would be able to immerse into the story and into the characters and not see the superstars. Of course, later on that got changed because Harrison Ford blew up. But, I mean, you know, uh, when, when he first started, he was really against pulling in celebrity known names for Star Wars because of the fact that he wanted the story to stand out more than the, than the stars. So, that, that's why I was like, uh, you know, is that also part of the, the appeal uh, besides, you know, any other reasonings that you get to, in a sense, kind of discover new talent. Like, you could find somebody like – and be, let, me, let me preposition this with a disclaimer. I'm not looking to be a movie star but you find somebody (laughs) like me who has no prior experience and possibly start my career.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's a million scenarios. I mean, the one that pops in my mind is the Owen, uh, Owen Wilson, the Wilson brothers, Luke and Owen Wilson with, um, with um, uh, Wes Anderson. Sorry. Wow. Um, In Bottle Rocket. I mean, they were, nobody had heard of these guys and, They did an independent film for maybe, a don't know, the budget, maybe a couple hundred thousand, however much the budget was on Bottle Rocket. And now they're global stars, particularly, well, definitely Owen Wilson is a, I mean, Luke's famous, but Owen is a, (laughs) you know, stratospheric star. And Wes Anderson's obviously well known, but like, they were nobodies, you know, they were these guys out of Dallas, I think, or near Dallas, you know, they just made a movie in a motel. I don't know if you know the movie Bottle Rocket well, but like, they made a movie in a motel. And then it's, like, it turned into an industry. I mean, uh, the Wilson brothers and then Wes Anderson to build a career. I mean, there's a million stories like that. I mean, you mentioned um, uh, Harrison Ford. I mean, Harrison Ford was in uh, uh, Apocalypse Now for, right. like, two minutes. You know, it's, like, the most – like, a guy who became an icon is, like – he literally has, like, two lines. He walks over to, to uh, Martin Sheen and says, like, two lines, and then he's out. So, yeah, I mean, there's there, – you know – Honestly, there's some, on some level, I don't know what other directors think, but like, I kind of dream of that, you know? Um, I, I, I want, like, I don't know, I really want the actors at work on my films. I mean, a lot of them have been just unbelievable talents and I and I see what they do and I go, man, if they could be on a budgeted film with more money and more support, like, forget what they could do, you know? Um, and I'd be, you know, like I said, on, on this movie, like, Jason Scarborough played Remy, as you saw. I mean, I mean, what an incredible performance. And the thing about it is, is that in Remy's Demons, we shot that piecemeal. It took about almost a year to shoot. Okay. And it was like a three hour night shoot one night. And Jason had a full-time job and was coming from there. Angelita, Aron Sorensen, same thing. Uh, Aisha Love, like all these people, Magda Porter, Ronald Mercado, they all came from their jobs and would show up and we'd shoot and for whatever some days were a little longer some days were micro like two hour days you know right and and that's the thing I I guess is I don't know if people know this but like movies like mine that's that's what's happening you know people are 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 you know missing their families or like you know missing family dinners or whatever it is or giving up a weekend to go shoot something for like no money and everybody's out there. I, I buy like bags of Doritos and people that's, that's what their lunch is. You know, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely like there's so much passion brought into it. It's incredible.
1: Uh, coming from the world of independent professional wrestling. I, I definitely get what you're talking about because there's been many a times where I've been on shows uh, as a performer and the best the promoter could do was like, you know, sandwiches from Subway for the locker room as as a thank you and payment for you know, are 15, 20 minutes each in the ring beating the hell out of each other for, you know, next to no audience. I, I get where you're coming from. Sometimes, you know, you got to do it for the love of doing it. And we're yeah. definitely doing it for the love of doing it. Um, But I mean, it doesn't always have to remain that way. Again, you know, I, I hate using comparisons, but like, especially when I'm speaking to an independent director, of course, the first one I go to is George Lucas, who who made an empire and an icon out of a, out of a, you know, independent film, but you know another person who kind of comes to mind who kind of not only made his career bigger, made a lot of other people's careers bigger, but I mean, he uh, he kind of stayed to, true to how he likes to shoot. He he kind of stayed low budget, even in higher budgets and and different genre, obviously. But uh, Kevin Smith, yeah, with with Clerks. I mean, he he almost seems like the uh, the uh, persona of the independent artist who, who remained an independent artist even after he gained fame. I mean, and again, I mean, Clerks was a next to nothing budget shot in black and white at his old convenience store job. He sold his comic book collection to make the film and who knew how it blew up. I mean, I guess the question in that, that, uh, from that scenario that I'm, that I'm asking is, is, uh, is there a hope that uh that you find that one story that one film that will launch yourself or your your actors and actresses to the to the next level or the next tier or is it really just i do this because for lack of better it's a passion thing to me i don't care if i ever make star wars i just care that i make the movies i want to make
0: yeah i mean i think the the latter has to be true they both are true by the way but right. the latter has to be true just like you with the wrestling i'm sure you do it and you 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 wake up in the morning excited about doing that that night right it's the same thing like you you gotta be coming from a place tarantino Scorsese, all these guys uh spielberg like they all i'm sure when they were 20 years old whatever when they started you know, they were like, I just, I want to make Reservoir Dogs or whatever the movie was, you know, it's, I just want to make this damn movie. that That's the truth. Like, I, I, I think what I've realized is it always starts with like, I, I, you know, the ideas start fluctuating and I'm like, all right, what, what, what are we going to do? What's next? And it's when it it clicks and it hits and then it's like, I'm on a journey, you know, I'm on, I'm like a, like a horse going down the, the, the track and, and I can't stop, you know, I have to make it. And like, like I said, I mean, I, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's both. It's, a, a, you know, I think that you, yes, I mean, I, I will never stop making these. Never. I mean, I, I, nothing will ever stop me because I, I just truly enjoy it. It's part of my soul. Like, I don't, I don't know what I would do with myself if I didn't do it. Right. Uh, but secondarily, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I would love to get, get a budget and get a studio behind me and, and, and make Thor Ragnarok or something, you know, like I would love to be given, um, you know, the reins of something a bit bigger to be able to like, you know, fundamentally shift and move and, and, and work it. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw the lighthouse, the movie, the lighthouse.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. That one I
0: did. So see. that movie was uh, shot by my, uh, a friend of mine who went, went to film school with Jaron Blaschke. Okay. And, I bring that up because like, I know I can't afford Jaron, right? Like Jaron's, he, he got, he got an Academy Award nomination, but my, my dream is to someday be able to call him and say, Hey, I probably can't afford you, nor can I even get you. You're probably not available, but I would love for you to work on my movie. That's being Disney's producing or whatever, you know? Um, that's sort of like a dream of mine to be able to call him or I, I have a couple other friends, not just him, but, my, my example of him is to point out that it's like that's sort of like the game we're playing in you know it's like you want to you want to get to a point where you you can be like the guy that makes the lighthouse movies i, I can't think of his name i for i i apologize if he's watching but um but you know like well you want to be like him because like he's getting to make his vision right and he's getting to work with people like willem dafoe and robert pattinson and it's like he's getting you know it's like that's your dream. People like me—that's our dream—is to be able to take our direct vision. And you brought up Kevin Smith as the example. That's a great example. Kevin Smith has been—you know—he made that horror movie about the cult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's—he's—he's he's, he's gone a little bit out. You know, he did the movie with Bruce Willis. But at the end of the day, I agree with you. Like, he's always get—he always comes back to either the Clerks universe chasing amy kind of stuff like he comes back to the smaller stories that he started telling and i think that's because that's that's at his core like in his soul that's what he wants that's the kind of stories he wants to tell you know so you you de- like we all want to be there robert rodriguez is a huge huge um inspiration for me as well i mean someone who just grabs i mean he's like the master of no budget filmmaking like,
1: well, uh, let's, let's, let's step out of the uh, speculation a- aspects and, and really delve into your, your films. Uh, and it kind of branches off the question, uh, the statement that you made about like Kevin Smith, where he created his, his own universe. And, and that's the stories he likes to tell in his universe in your films, even though the, obviously, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen all of them, so I don't know the story arcs and we're definitely going to de- dive into some story arcs here, but with the fact that you stay within the genre uh, horror genre is there kind of a universe for for each of these films in, in some way do they all exist in one world like i'm not-
0: like so i'm so happy you're asking me this because like i watch i'm like well i don't know about you but i'm one of these people i watch all the youtube theories about every show and movie game of throne whatever it is i watch like all the stuff like this the cup is there because it means this, and I love that stuff, and I'm so grateful for YouTube, for, the, for all the people doing those videos. And so, you asking me that? Yeah, I actually, um, every, all four of the, 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 the narrative features that I've made, sh- Sleepover, Bloody Drama, Domestic Hell, and Remy's Demons, all four of them are shared universe. Okay. And I actually, in every one of them, there's an allusion to the other. It's like really small Easter eggs. Um, in in Domestic Hell. See, Sleepover is about a girl, a group of girls that are massacred at a, um, two girls, I'm sorry, massacred at a, a, a sleepover party okay. or sleepover between two friends. And then Bloody Drama is about a sorority, a, a sorority sisters kind of trying to rekindle their college days post. And, a, and obviously a serial, a, a hacker slasher killer comes. Um, and so, you know in each movie there's an illusion like uh in bloody drama the girls are sitting by the pool early in the movie and they talk about the the what happened in the movie sleepover but like as if they heard about it in reality and then there's a radio broadcast in um domestic hell about what happened in bloody drama so and i'll leave the the, the remy's demons line up there for people to, to play around with but yeah i mean i i geek out over that stuff because i think I think like what 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 YouTube has taught me is why not add Easter eggs and why not have fun with your stories in terms of like giving people a lot of stuff to like enjoy if they dive into it. Like I I, I love that question because I I think that's so cool and and so my writing partner Josh Kaza he he co-wrote um, Remy's Demons with me. Uh, we talked a lot about that when we were writing. You know we we talked about little Easter eggs and there's other stuff in there, allusions to famous movies. And some of the character names are names from famous, like classic horrors and stuff like that. Cause I went and I think it's fun if people end up enjoying these movies and care enough to want to like, look deeper into them, they should have something there to like latch onto.
1: Absolutely. And, and that, that, that was something I, you know, again, I haven't seen your other films. I, you know, I was, I was, you know, distinctly honored that you let me uh, to watch Remy's theme. And I, I got that impression. Like uh, I, I really did get the impression like this, uh, this is existing in its own little twilight zone for lack of a better term. Uh, where like, if, if I were to, if I were to compare it in some way, it's like maybe all your films take place in that little town in Chicago, you know, th- you know, that just seems to be cursed. Like there's an overlooking <laughs> avatar or, or demon that controls everything. And I, I, I that, that's why I started asking that question too. It's because, you know, was that, the, was that the plan from from Gate or is that something that's just kind of developing with each film? Oh, totally
0: developing, yeah. I mean, I, I um, like I said, I mean, I uh, bloody drama. See, I did sleep over with a friend of mine, Colin Chachar, who's my partner in crime still to this day. He does all the music. He does all the sound effects. And, and he also does all the audio cleanup. Right. Um and and he co-produces too. Um Colin and I dove into Sleepover as a pet project, like experimental thing. After that, um, Scream Time Films took up Sleepover and they 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 reached out to me and said, Hey, we were, we like this. Would you be willing to do a movie for us? They have like a program where they send you script ideas and you can kind of they're awesome because they let you run with it and i never ever in a million years thought i'd ever make a slasher movie right and so todd over at scream time films he he handed me um you know the idea for bloody drama and i i said yeah why not i'll try it you know i don't know and uh and so it birthed out of that my point is is like i wasn't even my core idea so like i can't say that i had this whole universe plotted out after bloody drama and then going into domestic hell then I started thinking I was like I was like well yeah it'd be kind of fun if like they're all sort of existing not only existing in the same universe but roughly in the same timeline you know very like very close in a timeline to each other so you know you could almost imagine across town bloody dramas happening while domestic hell's happening or you know what I mean? Something like that. And so it's just fun to think of. I mean, I, I don't spend that much time on it. I, I I kind of really try to dive. The whole thing about my world is like, when you're at a level of budget, I mean, obviously this is true of any budget, but when you're at a level of budget, like you've got to really write the script. And right. I, I I always, that's the biggest thing to me. Whenever anybody asks me advice or whatever, I'm always like just make sure your script if you're the writer or if you have someone else writing it like you know workshop it don't jump into shooting like just workshop it take your time make sure the script i mean we had a table read at a public library for this film josh and i busted our butts writing it i mean we did probably 10 drafts to it and and i'm the kind of filmmaker that like I'll, and i know a lot are like this because as a cinematographer i've worked with a lot of filmmakers but i'm I'm always rewriting. The actors hate me for it. I literally have have brought to set scripts that like their lines have changed, and they're pissed. They're like, "Well, I've been still memorizing this for like a <laughs> for like all night last night, and then this morning you handed me like all of a sudden I got three new lines." Right. You know, and again, like I said, these are not actors that are sitting in in a in a uh, you know a, a mobile home on set somewhere waiting for their time. They're actors that have families that are going to work. They don't have time to sit there and read the script. And I, I know that it frustrates them, but it's like that's my process because I'm always I'm always thinking about it. I'm driving my car or I'm in the shower and I'm just thinking about the characters and I go, man, you know what? Remy, Remy shouldn't say that. You know, Remy should do this or and so it changes. I mean, this movie, the ending of this movie, I won't say what it is, but like it it changed like ten times more than any movie I've ever made. I just kept going, no, no, I think this should happen, this should happen, and and Josh had to keep up with that, too, even though he was the, the, the co-writer, you know, Josh has a job and other stuff, and, like, he'd come in and be like, wait, what is this, and I'd be like, oh, this is the new idea I had, and you'd be like, oh, okay, and then he would come up with an idea or whatever.
1: Well, that, that I mean, that's, that's uh, I, I definitely get that, because, again, I was a musician, too, besides an independent pro wrestler and i mean in my last band a perfect example of what you're saying is we had a song called uh, loss of innocence and i swear to you that song had gone through eight different iterations before i you know i guess a filmmaker used to say uh, filmmakers used to say you don't finish art you only abandon it thank you yes uh with uh, especially with like loss of innocence by that eighth iteration that's the one we recorded for album so that's the one that's that that's recognized now. But I mean, just like you, it's like you know, no, we could do that better. I think this line could be delivered that way. All of a sudden, that's a that that demo became a scratch track, you know. And now here's the new demo. But no, wait, we can we can get a better sound out of that. That now becomes a sc- scratch track. Here's the new demo. It it's a process, and I don't think a lot of people who are in the creative aspects of the field really understand it so I definitely get what you're what you're talking about in that yeah I no
0: and it's it's uh, it's funny because like in in um in quarantine and everything these last month or so you know we, we my wife and I and my son have been like doing walks every night and one night one night I said to my wife I just kind of like I'd been spending the whole day kind of thinking about it I just edited had not edited but I just like completed the final like digital output for Remy's Demon's And I, 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 you know, there were still things I was annoyed by and that I wanted to fix, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said to my wife, I said, yeah, I wonder like, like people like Kubrick or Spielberg or like Scorsese, I was like, I wonder, I was just talking out loud. I was was like, I I bet you they feel the same. I bet you they've never done, even though they've made masterpieces that are like, that are going to live in the Library of Congress the rest of time, you know, Spielberg, ET or whatever, right? Jaws it's like, I I guarantee he watches Jaws and he's probably like, ah, damn it. I hate that scene, you know, or I knew we should have cut that out, you know? And like, but we're like, it's a masterpiece. It's like the greatest thing ever, you know, like, what are you talking about? But for him, it's like constantly, and I, and like you said, your band, my brother is is a musician. He also makes movies too. And I know he's talked about like anyone who creates anything. I don't think you ever you know it's hard to just walk away because you're always like, man, I I think that that note could have been better or that whatever. It's like same thing. I, yeah, totally, absolutely.
1: I I think I think it, it doesn't matter what form of art art form you do. I, I think we all have that aspect where, like, and I'm glad you brought up Spielberg because I've I've watched a lot of documentaries on Jaws, and it Jaws was one of those situations where I think the things that made him disappointed is what made it a masterpiece. Like the biggest thing that most people know is the shark half the time didn't work. That's why the shark wasn't in the film. But ironically, for, for aesthetic reasons, the shark not being in the film half as much as they wanted it to be in the film made the suspense that much more. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Sometimes it's a blessing in disguise and you just have to think of it that way. But no you're, you're you're absolutely right i think i think if you're a painter, if you're a, a writer, if you're an author, if you're a, a, you know a sculptor, if you're a musician, if you're a filmmaker, you always kind of walk away from it saying, "I have to walk away because I'll never be done." And it kind of annoys you. I mean, I don't like listening to my own songs or, or, or even as a professional wrestler. I don't like going back and watching my old matches because of the fact that I will always nitpick the hell out of myself. That's yeah. somebody else who like it. Like if you sat down and listened to my music or watch my matches, you might be like, "Oh, that's phenomenal." I'm not saying you will, but you might say, "Oh, that's phenomenal. It's a masterpiece. It's great. That was the best thing I've ever seen or heard." And I'm sitting there going, Nyeh. "Yeah, yeah, exactly. you know What I mean? So yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think all artists in some way, shape, or form just have to finally say, "You know what? That's as good as I'm going to get it for myself." Yeah, and just let it be. Yeah. But, uh, I definitely want to jump into to Remy's Demons, if, if we can. I mean, uh, I, I know it's a new film. It hasn't really gone out to the, to the world as of yet. So obviously, I want to stay spoiler free. But I wanted to really kind of dig into inspirations and maybe, if you can, anything that you feel that you can uh, talk about, uh, about the characters and, and what led you down the road to tell this particular story.
0: Yeah, so um, I had Domestic Hell, which is on Amazon Prime as we speak. So go ch- go check it out. Um, that was my last movie, and that movie is about um, it's a it's a horror thriller um, about sort of domestic violence. Not sort of. It is about domestic violence and a very uh, very strange. Um, Couple that creates a strange dynamic and situation. Not to give anything away, and so the reason I bring that up is because so I had come out for that, and it was very heavy. The shoot was heavy. The subject matter was heavy, and 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 it was amazing. I I I was an incredible experience. But I you know I finished that. We did we did a couple screenings, and it was everything was amazing. We got such great feedback, and then I kind of like I was like, all right, well, what what do I how do I follow that up in terms of what's you know what direction. And I, and I also, I was like, I, I, I try at this stage. I have to be honest with myself. Right. Is that there's a part of this is like, it's, it's in a way a film school. Right. Because I'm not making Avengers. So I don't have Disney going, Colin, what's the cut? Where's the cut? Where's the cut? We got to get this out. May 21st. Because I don't have that, any of that going on. I, I really, I have to see it as like, this is, this is a stage to learn and to grow. So Anyway, so I'm, you know, at this point, like I'd, or at that point when I had finished Domestic Hell, I, I was like, well, what, what do I want to do next? Like, how do I, what story do I want to tell? And I just, I, I knew I wanted to do a little bit deeper into a deep dive into character, not so plot heavy, um, and, and really kind of, you know, embellish a story of a person. And Remy just popped into my mind. I, I, and it, it was part of it. The biggest inspiration was Carrie, the movie Carrie. Because I was kind of like i it I was on and I was sort of watching it, and Remy was already bouncing around in my mind, and I was like, "Well, what if like you know Carrie wasn't Carrie, but Carrie's mom was around, but the the kid in this story was a was an impressionable person with on the spectrum, so to speak, and you know and was raised like by this you know." their whole life. And now with, you know, almost, you know, middle age, you know, like in their late thirties. And, you know, it was, it, it's always a what if, you know, it's the same thing with domestic health was a what if it's like, what if, and then it builds from there. So it was like a, what if that, and it just kind of grew. And then, like I said, Josh Kaza came on board and I, I, I sent him like a rough treatment of the idea and he liked it. And, and then he brought all, you know, like I said, we co-wrote it. So like he brought all his stuff to it and we built it out and uh but Carrie never got Carrie's mother I should say never got far from my mind um for the character of Regan in our movie her name's Regan and um you know and so like it just built from there you know and it was the what ifs grew out from the what oh then then what if this happened and what if this happened and what if this happened and so and also the possession I've always been fascinated by movies about possession right um demon possession satan satanism worship stuff like that so it was kind of like grew out from all those different things
1: well that that was that was one of the things i was curious about with the with the film and again i don't want to spoil anything but there was a a lot of uh paranormal uh I don't want to use the term religious, but for lack of a better term, religious undertone to the film uh, was that something that was there from gate, or was that something that you decided to add in as the story prog- uh, progressed as you were writing it? No, it was. Um, I I knew that
0: I I wanted to talk. I mean, I'm not. I have a like my experience with faith is is a is an interesting one. So, and well, I'm not going to get into it. But but my like, so I knew I wanted to tell a story about faith, right? but the 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 idea of faith, not like a faith, but and so that was like a catalyst was like you know um somebody uh you know who who is who is brought up in a certain way, sort of dealing with all the 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 context and and the way he's brought up is not like most people are brought up, so like how does he fit into the greater world when his the worldview he's been given from birth is so different than the worldview that all his peers were given and i was really fascinated by that so yeah i mean it definitely like like but but for me it was always the the core was well how does your faith like guide you and 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 then also what happens if your faith breaks down you know after a long time and and you 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 realize like you don't know if you believe any of it anymore and and how does a character sort of deal with that, especially someone like him on the spectrum who has a certain view of the world, but a certain way he needs to measure the world, right. you know, and, and how does he handle all that, that, that stress?
1: Well, that, that was, uh, that was something I was going to ask as well with, with Remy being on the spectrum, as you said, an un- undisclosed, uh, I don't want to use the term disability, but you know, uh, an undisclosed difference to what would be considered a, a normal, human being is that something that kept him from going into in your mind is that one of the uh catalysts that kept him from going kind of norman bates with with his relationship with his mother
0: yeah i, I think that um you know there, there's a moment in the film there's a flashback moment uh between him and his mother when he was a kid you see him as a kid a few times but um the, the that seems super important to me um in in the story because it's it's her words are, are, are very important, right? Like they're very dark. It's a very dark view of the world. And so I, it was important to me because I wanted to show that this, this little kid is, is, you know, maybe six, seven, eight years old. And he's, this is, this is the world he knows. Right. And so it's like putting yourself in his shoes and understanding that like that world that worldview is all he really knows of. Whereas you and I were raised in a certain way and we were told certain things by our parents and brought it, you know what I mean? And it's still probably in us, even if we've changed from the way our parents are, even if we've even rejected our parents, there's still like that, that, that little bit there left, you know? So that's what he's grappling with. You know, he's grappling with being somebody that, you know, like I said, is on the spectrum and, 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 and also like, not only that, but he's, He's been he's been exposed to such a, a completely different worldview that's in basically in, uh, in in a fight against the 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 prevailing worldview, you know.
1: Well, one one of the characters I found to be extremely interesting, uh, especially the dynamic of the character uh, within this, with this in this film is uh w- without being too spoilery, we we know the mother was uh was a piece of work and and was a was a horrible influence but still a major influence on, on Remy as, as a character. But then you introduce the, the sister, the aunt, uh into the uh into the play and, and dare I say she almost makes the argument that she was technically the real antagonist of the film. Uh more so than even mom or or any of the other characters that again I don't want to jump spoiler territories but just the way she handles the situation and handles Remy in particular she almost comes off as like the true main villain of the film
0: yeah and it, it um it was so like as it developed her character changed a lot in the writing process because um I I always grapple with that because I wanted people to sort of make their own choice as to who who actually the villain was and 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 the problems that are there. And so yeah, I mean I think that obviously when you first introduced to her, she she is very much um, she doesn't adhere or buy into the principles of her sister. Right. Um, and so it's it's almost from from jump that she's in con- in, in, in conflict with Remy. You know um, and that was so very important to us to like show that like immediately uh, before the the elements of the story unfold so that people understood that like there's there there has and always will be a conflict between these people because her worldview, like I said, her worldview is just so different you know and and um, she has nicknames she gives him that are derogatory nicknames and mm-hmm. um, she says derogatory things towards her sister. Um, you know, and, and it's all there to show that like, she just doesn't have any respect for this at all. There's not even a part of her that, that sees it as legitimate and or anything that should be dealt with in a respectful manner.
1: Well again with the way, with the way you presented her and again maybe maybe I'm just reading too far into it the way you presented her like she comes in and she she like you said she's very she's very uh confrontational to the mother very confrontational to her nephew uh she she doesn't buy into the the the, the voodoo as she called it in any way shape or form uh, later on in the film again without doing too much spoilers you see her becoming very very um, I don't want to use the term materialistic, but money hungry uh, dealing with a lot of the situations within the film uh, where she's taking things away from Remy and, and telling him to grow up like, like, you know, all this is just immaturity and, and spoilership as opposed to being like a, a, a an illness uh, in, in in a particular way. But then you also gave her, a sympathetic part to her as well, like her alcoholism, for example, and how she fell off the wagon dealing with these rages and emotions. That even deep down, as as antagonistic as she was, she was still kind of human. She still did care for Remy. She still did lose her, it, it, you know, her herself and her alcoholism and and stuff. And and it was the conflict there that still humanized. Somebody that technically we should go in a theater and just be like, oh, she's a, you know, she's a bad person.
0: Yeah. And it, it, like I said earlier, like that was so important to me um, and Josh. Like when we were writing, like we, we, I think the first draft, she was kind of just a monster Right. You know, and it went on. I was like, well, why? Why should she just be a monster? Why? And I'm not taking full credit. I mean, Josh, same thing. We're both just like there's more to it. Like and there can be there should be more to it. Like nothing's that simple. And not only that, I I had a it was a couple of epiphanies, you know, when we got closer to shooting, which was I also was like at the same time, I I felt for her. You know, like, as a writer, as someone, like, in my mind, I saw her as, as a thing before the actress, uh, Angelina Aron Sorensen, took over and made her some uh, the, who she made her. I, I was always, like, I was, like, well, I mean, honestly, like, being thrust into the situation she's thrust into, no spoilers, I mean, I, I felt for her. I mean, I think that, like, there are going to be – I think there's the, the people who dive into this and enjoy it. I think there's going to be the, you know – not let's say team Mildred, Mildred is the, is her name, right. but like there, you know, there will be people who, who walk away and say, you know what? I, I, I kind of like, I, I'm pissed at that, how that went down. Or there'll be people that are one heard thrown off the side of a bridge. I don't know, you know, but, but, but I, I think that like, I, I mean, to me, that's what I don't know about you, but when I go see a movie, I love the ambiguity of characters. I'm so much more interested in like, And that's why I think like the Joker, the movie, the Joker was a lot of, resonated with a lot of people because I think that there was an ambiguity there. Like he, Mm -hmm. you kind of hated him on some levels, but at the other levels, you kind of understood like you felt for him, you know? And I think that those kind of characters are more interesting and more powerful. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, like, but like I said, we wanted to, we set out to try to make most characters in the movie like that, where they, at least you could see different sides of them you know, and understand their, like, give them perspectives.
1: Was it intentional with the two, be, uh, with the two friends that Remy had? Uh, the, uh, again, I apologize beforehand. I've only seen the movie once. Uh, no problem. I, yeah. I, I don't necessarily know the, uh, the, the character names all that well, but uh, uh, like the, the black girl he meets in the sec- cemetery and then the, uh, the guy that is always helping him find haunted places to do his blog. Uh, it's kind of a two-part question here. Number one, obviously, with the blog, since I brought it up, uh, is that kind of a tribute to, to your love for YouTube, having bloggers, uh, that Remy was a blogger, with, with talking about the, the the dark world and some of the places he's visited and all? And then, uh, like I was saying, with the, with the guy and, and with the, uh, the the black lady, were they kind of a, a physical man- manifestation of the old-fashioned angel and devil on your shoulders?
0: Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, may, uh, yeah, probably subconsciously, I, I'm not going to take full credit for that, but that's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I, I, I can't speak for Josh. Maybe, maybe Josh like saw that clearly. I, I when I'm the YouTube thing. Yes. hundred percent. I mean, that, that was when I, like I said, early on, I knew who he was Remy and he was clear, but at the same time, um, a little bit later is when I kind of was like, I don't know, like to me, like one of the things when I first learned about cinema was like, you know, I remember someone in, in one of my early writing classes at, uh, at my film school was like, give your characters hobbies or or, or not just hobbies, like passions, right? Mm-hmm. So like like if I were to do a movie about you, let's say you, I don't know what your job is or whatever, but like, you know, the wrestling or the band, right? Like Like what should be in the film your movie or that would be that like if it just was about you going to jot your work and coming home and dealing with your fan whatever it's like that that other part of you brings in that and it, it it just brings you up and brings so much more life to your character so that's when I was like I was like well obviously he's gonna be like very into paranormal and all that stuff and he and he feels very connected to like the nether world, or whatever you want to call it and so i was like wow he should be on youtube because i love youtube and i was like yeah that makes total sense and and i definitely that absolutely 100 percent as far as the good and evil i i that's no i am not gonna i mean i love it i think it's a really cool thing that you noticed um and like i said i, I obviously i'm sure you know this as a as a songwriter like there's, there's definitely subconscious stuff that happens that you mm-hmm. you don't you're not fully aware of and I get again, I can't speak for Josh. Uh, Josh might, might, if he were here, he might be like, Oh no, I, that was totally intentional.
1: <laughs> um,
0: you know, like I said, it was co-written a hundred percent between us. So like, um, I mean, definitely like Vera played by Aisha Love, um, is I, I always saw her that way was, was definitely, I saw her not, not let's say the angel on the shoulder, but I saw her as his like guardian angel. I mean, I, I I'm, I, I think I told her that, yeah, Aisha, when we were shooting. But anyway, but um, but yeah, I mean, um, I saw her as being m- one of my favorite lines in the movie. Is she says to him, um, you know, in an undisclosed, non-spoiler point of the movie, she says, um, "Well, you know, Remy, like, did your mom ever tell you about angels and God and the light?" And he looks at her kind of confused, you know, and and it's an important moment because it's like she's to her that's her she's very spiritual and and open to all this stuff she's actually she's actually interested in in dark arts and things like that right but she's also interested and she realizes through knowing him that like oh my god this guy's never been it's like all that stuff is like foreign to him you know and and i always like that line was was to me probably one of the most important lines in terms of their relationship so yeah i mean i i love that you said that that's awesome
1: well, another thing I caught too, and it, it, it'd be funny to to uh do a follow up interview in some way shape or form after you talked to Josh maybe showed him this uh this podcast and uh <laughs> he, he I, I imagine it would probably be that guy 's full of crap he don 't know anything he 's talking about but
0: uh <laughs> no 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 not at all but uh he 's super sweet he would never do that, but yeah, I hear you
1: <laughs> another thing I caught was kind of uh using the use of uh, subtle visualizations, almost uh, a la, if you will. And again, I could be completely wrong and I could read into it myself, art subjective, but almost like a, like a Sixth sense uh type deal that I, that I caught where everything that dealt with Bruce Willis's character had a red in it, which was your visual clue of it wasn't right. In in your film, at least from what I caught, what I found interesting and again, I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing on that line of spoiler, so I, I want to be careful of how I f- phrase this. But I've caught visual aids, uh, even with Remy, where when the character changed, their wardrobe changed. And in a sense of like when their characters went, when their character uh, went somewhere, for lack of a better term, brighter, their their outfits became more colorful, more exuberant but yet others that went the opposite way they started getting a little more you you understand where i'm going again i'm I'm trying to bite my tongue because i yeah i
0: I mean i'm like i said my background is camera and and cinematography so like color and light are are everything right so like i i on especially my last two movies domestic hell and and remy's demons like i'm I'm much more like I do a lot of color research and and color means a lot. and I'm sure you notice, but there's some color lighting and color values that are pretty pretty straightforward. you know, <laughs> It's not stuff you'll miss, but so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to to early on, I like to um, give a a color palette to a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, and so and 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 I like to try to give it an arc to some degree that will follow a little bit along their character arc so there's subtle stuff in the movie that definitely like certain wardrobe like you said you point like you have a great eye by the way i'm pretty impressed oh, nice. um but like like you know there's subtle like stuff as it goes on textures and and color palettes and also lighting uh, stuff that that goes on i mean for the no budget world i live in i, I try still try really hard and it sometimes i'll even i'll even like the actors like probably hate me for it, but I'll even give up a little bit of that part right. to keep in the, the sense of the visual continuity and the visual concepts that are happening. Framing is very important to me, the shot framing. Um, I try not to just frame anything up or even just try to frame up a pretty shot. I try to give the, the framing some sort of context and emotional value to it. Right. Um, there's even a, a camera context in, in the film where the camera sort of changes its motivation. Uh, upon the arrival of a certain character, you know, things like that. I just, I'm, I mean, I'm learning, you know, I'm growing in this. I mean, I'm, I'm probably, I liken myself as like a toddler right now in my film education. But but it's like, you know, all these things, you start to realize like that the, the world of cinema, just as in music, I'm sure, well, music's insane. I mean, it's infinite, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like you start to realize as you grow, you, you're like, man, there's so many aspects that I should take advantage of. And, and I should play up like color, light, uh, characterization, um, uh, props, even, you know, like we, we, we actually we spent a bit of time on props. Um, I'd I be remiss not to mention Eden Lopez, um, who was the prop, you know, the, the production designer. He, he was, you know, him and I talked a lot and he actually knows a lot about some of the thematic stuff in the movie, particularly with Regan right um and was incredibly helpful in telling me like oh you need this oh she should have this oh they have this when they practice this or whatever you know
1: well the 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 again i as you guys know we're trying to keep this as spoiler free as we can so again i'm going to be choosing my words very very carefully and hopefully i won't give a tell away in this uh for the next question but with the way this film ended, and again, I'm not going to go into details, uh, but like the some of the final words spoken and everything else, it, it fell very open to the idea of maybe a Remy's Demons 2. <laughs> Was there a, a, an aspect where you wanted to revisit uh, this particular story or maybe even at least uh, revisit Remy somewhere down the future. Was that door open on purpose in that aspect?
0: No, not on, not on, not on purpose. I mean, well, I mean, obviously, like again, not the, you know, um, you know. In the end, uh, you know, certain things happen, and and so obviously, like it's there there's there's opportunity to keep telling a story, you know, here. Um, But no, not at all. I didn't. I I I I I look at a lot of these, and I'm like, because I've had people with with domestic hell um, come up to me and say like, oh, you should do a new a second one with the the main character, the bad guy's name's Jack, and they're like, you should do a a sequel with Jack, and he comes after them, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that'd be that's kind of awesome. But but I'm also at the same time, like I said, I'm. I look at this all as like I'm trying to grow as a filmmaker and I'm trying to sort of like expand into new areas to sort of thematic areas and also like universal areas so that I kind of get a better sense for like what I'm trying to do in this in this art form. So like again, hey, if someone came to me, Bloomhouse or something and they were like, man, Remy's Demons is awesome. Like we want to we we want you to do Remy's Demons too. Like I wouldn't turn them down, of course. Um, but I didn't No, I it wasn't like I we Josh and I finished and we were like oh like let's let's map out a context for a Remy's Demons 2 it wasn't like that at all
1: well let's go to the opposite end of the coin how about a uh, a, a prequel where you explore how Regan got into uh the the, the lifestyle that she was even before she had Remy
0: well it's funny because um I do extensive character stories before I write, before, before, well, like I came up with the story. I knew there was a mother. I knew there was a Remy. I knew there was an aunt. I knew there was, you know, a love interest or whatever friend um, and all that kind of stuff. But when I do that, I write these, these, you know, three, four page stories for the character, for the actors. So they know their character's backdrop and Regan's was particularly long because I just kind of like went off writing about it. Like I really enjoyed writing her backstory because it was the one I came up with was pretty insane. It's the, like the crazy life she lived. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean that, it, you know what that's funny about that? I mean, like, of course, like may you know, I don't know, five years from now, I might, you know, maybe I go, that'd be kind of fun, you know, dive into, you know, dive into the craziness of her life story, you know? So yeah, I mean, that, absolutely. When I did bloody drama, um, that was really my first like th- narrative feature where it was like, you know, shot like a normal movie and not like POV style. Right. Um, that one, I actually, because it was my first and i was so excited and I, and I really liked the, 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 killer, so to speak, the Jason in that movie, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I, I did think of that one. I did kind of come up with a, a second one, a sequel, that was going to be a little bit more of an action movie, a, a sort of slasher action movie. <laughs> but that was the only time I've actually thought of like a an actual sequel.
1: Um, all right. Well, the the Remy's Remy's Demons, obviously, brand new movie. Uh, I did see uh, that it is slated to release, obviously, this year. Uh, where is it going to be releasing?
0: Okay. So um, right now, it's 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 available for pre purchase at uh screamtimefilms.com and that's dvd so if you own dvds or you collect dvds that would be amazing um you go to screentime, screamtimefilms.com and i can email you the link um and and there you can purchase it right that's the distribution company right now amazon it's going to be on amazon prime um and a bunch of other streaming services amazon prime is the main one um, very soon. It's just, it's, it, I don't know if people listening know, but it's like you upload these things, their distributor uploaded it. And then it just, it's up to Amazon when they upload it. I've been literally every day I click on Amazon to check on it, <laughs> you know, cause it's eminent. It could be any day. So, um, I'll obviously let you know once it's out, out,
1: uh-huh. um,
0: you know, and, but yeah, it'll be on Amazon prime for obviously prime members. It's free. Uh, for non-Prime members, it'll be like $2. And, and if, if you've found this interview interesting at all, you can also, um, on my interview, I in. <laughs> meant, um, if you found these films to be something that's up your alley, I mean, right now, Domestic Hell is available for streaming on Amazon Prime um, and uh, Bloody Drama. Um, and so if the other way you could do it is you just, you put in my name, Colin Bressler at, on, on the search bar and Amazon Prime Video and, it, and all my movies come up, like the whole list of everything I've done. But yeah, so I mean, you know, but, but right now, unfortunately, it's, Remy's theme is not is not available this second, uh, but it will be soon. But if you like DVDs, it's available as DVD.
1: How much, how much is it uh, for the DVD if people want to order it? Do you know?
0: I think it's $10 or yeah, I think it's 10
1: that's so relatively affordable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll make sure that description is in the link, uh, uh, that the link, uh dyslexia. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the link will be in the description down below, guys, so you can hit directly to it, so that way you can get uh, Remy's Demons, and I'm pretty sure, I, I'm not sure how, how, how uh, that particular website works. But most other ones, when you look at one, it usually shows you something else from them as well as, like, a suggestive. So I'm pretty sure you could probably find the rest of uh, Mr. Bressler's uh, uh, filmographies, for lack of a better term, uh, there as well. So, guys, make sure you go check that out because uh, we, we obviously want to support arts. Uh, I have always said it with almost every other thing that I talk about, uh, like, when, when we're talking pro wrestling, I always say, the wwe is great but always support the locals with musicians yeah metallica is awesome but go to the local open mic nights and support them guys too and even with this as much as it's fun and entertaining to go to the theater and 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 uh really uh support films like marvel cinematic universe or 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 star wars or or whatever the case may be you gotta give love to the independent filmmakers as well you know because they're they're the ones out there as as Mr. Bressler said, "Is out there busting their stones for no budget just to give you guys a solid story. And sometimes the best stories come from no budget at all. So def- and we try to, and I
0: try, and we all try to be incredibly. I mean, I try to be entertaining. You know, we want you to go out and 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 enjoy like a little story. You know, a little story about some kooky characters." And also, I, I, just before we go, I, I mean, if you're on Instagram, we're on Instagram at Bressler Productions, at Bressler Productions. Go check us out because it's fun because you'll see like, you know, behind the scenes videos and photos and all kinds of stuff. I try to, I post there quite a bit to get, keep people interested and also like let let people in on the little indie, crazy indie world of
1: filmmaking, you know. I'll make sure that's in the description as well uh and of course the next question i've got to ask and, and i know you kind of answered this beforehand when you were saying like you you don't you you usually don't really know but what's next in store for you do you think do you think you have an idea of what your next film might be or where uh where you might lead in in your universe for for
0: Yes, absolutely. So I'm I'm writing of uh, of uh, another movie. Um, we're in about the second and two, second and a half draft, roughly. A um, uh, guy, uh, young, up and coming art uh, writer named Daniel Bo- Bonner Bomer uh, Bomer, I think it is. Um, and uh, you know he uh, him and I, I wrote. It's kind of the same thing. I wrote a I wrote a treatment and 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 he's a young writer. And I said, Hey, would you be interested in helping me do this? And he was like, yeah, so I'm doing that. And uh, Josh and I, Josh Kaza and I are writing a TV show uh, that we're going to try to get made, but that would be a big budget. It's kind of game of Thronesy type thing. Ooh. So yeah, I mean, you know, I, like I said to you earlier, like I'm just going to keep moving, keep plowing forward.
1: Excellent. And of course guys right here, uh, um, again, I'll make sure that's in the description down below. Go check out the film. Go support him on Instagram. Uh, Check out all the great content that he has. And while you're at it, guys, right here, right now, Guys, thank you very much for hanging out with us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did in any capacity, make sure you hit that thumbs up button, like, share, comment, subscribe, check out all the other great podcasts of Realm of the Mist Entertainment, and jump over to our sister channel, uh Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop and dungeons and dragons needs. And of course, if you prefer these podcasts in audio-only format, we got you covered. You can find Realm of the Mist Entertainment on anchor.fm, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Colin, this has been an absolute blast. You've got to come back on. I will, anytime. Whenever you're ready for your next film, and if you ever need a fat, out-of-shape former pro wrestler to make a little cameo appearance doing a podcast somewhere in your films, give me a call. (laughs)
0: 100%. (laughs) Done deal. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun, man. So much fun.
1: And thank you, guys, and we will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the mist. and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode.